Episode 55, Minisode, Doctor Who Update. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Oh my God, Angela, have you seen the new Doctor Who? You know I have, because I've been texting you nonstop. There have been tears. There have been yelps. There have been glimmers and shimmers and all the things. I have to text you every five minutes. I I have not been this excited about Doctor Who since the Capaldi era. I'm so glad that Russell T. Davis is back. I don't think anything bad about Jodie Whittaker herself, but uh, I don't believe that Chris Chibnall really got it. But uh, now that Russell T. Davis is back... Uh, it's uh, it's it's it gives me all of the feelings and I'm so happy about it. And where uh, if, if you have if you are listening to this episode for some reason without watching the the 60th anniversary three uh, specials, then uh, River Song will chastise us for all the spoilers we're about to yeah. throw at you. So spoiler alerts coming on uh, the 60th anniversary Disney Plus special. Also, if you didn't listen to the full Doctor Who episode, also recommended we go through the whole history of Doctor uh, Who. You'll know why we love Peter Capaldi so much. My favorite doctor, as I discuss in that episode, is David Tennant. Oh, yes. So I was, of course, over the moon about this three-part series. We have much to update you on that did not get into the original episode. Matt, walk us through these three episodes and let's talk about what we love so much about them other than that, as you know, Russell T. Davies is my new best friend. So, so yeah, and so this is the thing. Uh, doc, uh, as we discussed in the Doctor Who episode, David Tennant has been a Doctor Who super fan since he was a little kid. He got into acting specifically so he could be Doctor Who. And so the first episode of the uh, the specials, The Star Beast, is based on the comic from the 70s that uh, if you go to the uh, YouTube, uh, uh, the Doctor Who YouTube channel, uh, you will see David Tennant talking talking about how he remembers the star beast 
storyline, how he remembers the Meep reading it as a kid. So when they were going through all the design process for the Meep, uh, they brought in the original artist, the original writer. They brought in David Tennant. And David Tennant would be like, oh, yes, that's definitely the Meep. Oh, yes, this and this and this and this and this. And uh, he... Because he is a super fan, because he has memorized so many things, he is an authority on Doctor Who, much like Peter Capaldi, which is why they are our favorite doctors. And they, it, it's so, so great to watch David Tennant's reaction to all of this stuff because he, he got to come back. Uh, he, he famously said his last line of being the 10th Doctor was, I don't want to go. So I made a graphic of, I don't want to go with Russell T. Davies taking off his glasses and be like, "Uh uh-huh, because yeah, maybe you don't have to go, my friend. So So what happens at the end of the last season is we see, we don't see the full regeneration. We just start at Starbeast and suddenly the doctor has regenerated, but back to a familiar face, which I think has never happened yeah. before, right? No, no. And, and so this is the thing. At the end of uh, Jody's last episode, uh, she's regenerating. And not only does she regenerate into David Tennant, because everybody was uh, expecting Shudigatwa, uh, her clothes changed to fit David Tennant's clothes because uh, Russell T. Davis has explained that it's because he didn't want people, the, 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 the people who make things terrible all the time on the internet to take any scenes out of context with David wearing women's clothing because he didn't want uh, that to be taken out of context and for you know we will explore that in the star beast episode as well in this whole little that's the thing that's the and this is what I really really love about Russell T. Davis is because he 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 he's gay himself. He's very outspoken about inclusivity. He's very outspoken about a great many aspects of making the world better for marginalized people. Yeah. So, so basically, get, imagine J.K. Rowling, and then imagine the opposite. Like, yeah, yeah, not he, a turf. He, yeah, he is the he is the counterforce to J.K. Rowling. Yeah. And so even before we get to the Star Beast, there is the Children in Need mini episode. It's only mm. five minutes long. But uh, David Tennant's 14th Doctor, because he's no longer the 10th Doctor, he's the, officially the 14th, uh, crashes into Scarrow as Davros is creating the Daleks. And traditionally, Davros is in a uh, the bottom half of a Dalek himself, uh, confined to a wheelchair. But uh, Russell T. Davis has reimagined Davros as uh, this evil Nazi scientist sort of guy because he didn't want to have that uh, the 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 connotation that disabled people are evil. Love that. So Davros now has working legs, played by the same actor. In my opinion looks even more sinister because he's got this, you know, Nazi scientist vibe going, which is the ultimate evil out there. Right. So I I liked it. I liked where he went with it. And he doubled down on it because when we get to the Star Beast, uh, one of the new main characters is a science advisor for UNIT who is a, a an ambulatory wheelchair user, meaning that she can stand, she can walk for short distances, she can move her legs, but she needs a wheelchair mainly to move because I believe she has spina bifida yeah i think that's right yeah and she it's ruth um madley m-a-d-e-l-e-y she is one of my favorite actors she's also in my favorite russell t davies series which is called years and years other than doctor who she's amazing and yeah i think she has 
yeah. And yeah, and a very Shirley Ann Bingham is the character, right? Yes, yes. And and she's she's very self-aware. She's there is one moment where Unit has to run up a whole bunch of stairs to confront the, the rocket ship, and she's like, No, I understand. Don't let me hold you back, because you know, there there are limitations to being a wheelchair user. And so so we've got that inclusivity right there, and we'll get to like the new TARDIS in a minute, but uh we we have that, and then we introduce. Uh, w- w- well, okay, so when the the doctor is astonished to have his David Tennant face back, and he's like, "I wonder why? Why do I have this face?" And then he goes to London, and who do you think he runs into as soon as he lands in London? I hope it's Donna Noble. It is Donna Noble, my favorite and, sidekick. Uh, Donna Noble uh, is carrying this load of boxes. She can't see. He can't see her. He offers to help her, realizes it's Donna and says, oh, crap, she can't remember me. Otherwise, her brain will explode and she will die because of the metacrisis. So uh, this whole thing. And then Donna Noble introduces her daughter. And if if you remember at the the final episode, uh, at the end of time, uh, of the final episode of Day of the Tenants era, uh, Donna was getting married to Sean Temple and uh, she would become Noble Temple, which is a, a building or Temple Noble. So they had this whole discussion about that with uh, with the, the grandfather, who is a great guy. We'll, we'll come to him in a minute. But uh, anyway, uh, she married him. Uh, the doctor gave them a, uh, a lottery ticket, a winning lottery ticket as a wedding gift to make sure she'll always be taken care of. Because, again, he had to wipe her memory of his t- of her time being a companion. So her brain wouldn't explode because of Tommy Wimey things. <laughs> Go see the episode. Yes. But uh, so anyway, her her daughter is trans and played by Yasmin Finney uh, and uh, when when her when her daughter chose her name uh, she chose Rose for a reason that is not explained until the end of the episode so Rose Noble uh, makes all of these dolls and creatures that she sells online and she's got a very nice job selling them out of her shed and the episode does a really good job of showing she, she's being harassed by schoolmates. Her grandmother has a, a bit of a, a moment where she's trying to navigate the complexities of, uh, can I say that she's beautiful? Is that sexist? Because I never said it to him. Right. Uh, trying to figure out how the whole being trans thing works. And it's, it's a very, uh, I, as a cisgender dude, I thought it was well done. But again, yeah. my trans friends have said, yeah, that's pretty good. That's that's some good representation there. And she's a fantastic character who who meets Beep the Meep, the star beast. And there's a, a, a scene where, you know, the doctor automatically assumes that Beep the Meep is a he. And they have a, a conversation about pronouns because, you know, like, what do you mean he? Why, why do you assume that this creature from beyond the stars is a he? And it's like, oh, good point. What are your pronouns? Ah, I prefer the definite article. And this actually relates back to a, uh, I think it was a, a John Pertwee episode. 
uh, I could be wrong. It could be the fourth doctor. But uh, uh, but there is a line back from Classic Who where the doctor specifically says, oh, my, I, I, I refer to myself as the doctor. I am the definite article. So David Tennant is like, oh, yeah, me too. I got you. It's, it's a, again, one of those things that calls back to uh, earlier, remembering the history. And if, if you know, you know, and it's one of those things that makes it really hit home because the doctor more than anybody knows what it's like to go between bodies, male, female, whatever, because it's the doctor regenerates. The doctor can be more than one meat body. So uh, gendered pronouns are not a thing for that, especially if you follow the Jodie uh, Whittaker era the, where we get into the timeless child and the doctor is actually a creature from another dimension that, you know, we, but anyway, that, that's a whole other thing. So uh, we, we go through this reveal, the beep, the meep, this remarkable practical effect uh, is not great is actually evil and uh, tries to you know destroy London in an effort to change their uh, to recharge their engine and these evil looking bug people the the wharf uh, uh, are actually the good guys because a lot of deception uh, their appearances can be deceiving mm -hmm. so this entire episode is about appearances and about what makes us who we are and about the inside and it turns out that the reason that they because when we last left donna noble this thing called the meta crisis she accidentally downloaded the entire doctor's brain and since he uh since he's the doctor he can handle all this stuff but a human brain can't handle it so he had to shut it off so her brain wouldn't overheat and die but in order to save london she has to access the meta crisis and become dr donna once again so she says unlock it i'm ready to go if i have to die saving my child i will do it so the doctor unlocks it she becomes dr donna is able to access the secrets of the universe and just when we think that she's dead because of it it turns out that she has downloaded half of the meta crisis into her child and rose also having the meta crisis is able to access the doctor's memories save you know everybody do her thing and uh one of the biggest things about the 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 end of the end of time when donna's brain was being fried by the over information she just kept repeating binary 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 and then when we get to her freaking out again and going through this binary, binary, binary. Rose is uh, Rose is non-binary, and it's it's a fifteen-year payoff for this. It is. It was huge. The way that we can get through this is because it's not just one person handling it; it's two. Mm. It's not just a binary person; it's a non-binary person. Uh. Rose chose her name because of Rose Tyler. Rose had a shed that was reminiscent of the TARDIS. Rose made all these dolls that were reminiscent of Doctor Who creatures. And the way that they were able to survive the Metacrisis is not only by splitting the burden, but by also letting go of the burden. And it was a gigantic emotional moment. It was great. We lead into the new TARDIS. The new TARDIS is huge. It is benefiting from all the Disney Plus money. Uh, it is now uh, uh, it is now wheelchair accessible, so, so that uh, people who are wheelchair bound can have nice nice adventures. Uh, 
So this leads into uh, the second episode, which is a really, really the, into the wild blue yonder, because uh, as as Donna accidentally did in her previous job, she poured coffee into the TARDIS, causing it to go haywire and going into the complete edge of creation, where they meet these these monsters from beyond creation that take the shape of, of the doctor and Donna. And it's a very, very interesting twilight zone, black mirror esque sort of thing it is. where they have to confront who they are, what they know about each other, what they know about themselves, uh, what they, what they know about these beings who are trying to exist, but are not existing. It's, it's a great, great, very psychological episode and the fake out at the end oh my god that got me i really really thought that that would be a thing but uh it, I, I won't spoil that one it's it's a really really good one but then we see wilf at the end and that was the only scene that wilf was able to shoot for uh these episodes and then wilf, didn't he uh, like die minutes later he did like that was the last yeah. thing he filmed. Like what a way to and, go. It was a great and scene. And that's the thing. Bernard Cribbins was Bernard Cribbins actually featured in Daleks 2150 AD with Peter Cushing. The the second non-canon Doctor Who movie back in the 60s, which has officially been retconned as the Doctor uh meeting Peter Cushing in, Peter Cushing making a movie about the Doctor in universe, and then the Doctor taking Peter Cushing to the future to film Rogue One instead of being digitally reanimated. So that the so Bernard Cribbins has been there since the '60s. So Bernard Cribbins exists in the same universe as Wilf. So uh, so anyway, that was a heartbreaking scene there. Uh, oh, so so, so great to see him. But then we get into the giggle, uh, and the, there's a body double for Wilf because they they start off with him, and at the end, Wilf is still there because they. They don't want Bernard Cribbins or Wilf to die. Who does? Bernard Cribbins, by yeah. all accounts, is a very great guy. But the giggle, man, oh my God. It's the true, well, it starts off with the true story of Stooky Bill and this horrifying first image broadcast on television back in the 1920s. I, I don't know what you're talking about. It starts with NPH. Let's oh, not, oh, yes. let's not yes. jump to the plot when Neil Patrick Harris is blowing so, my mind so this is a thing about neil patrick harris because neil patrick harris has worked with uh russell t davis before because of course he did and as as russell t davis uh he, russell t davis wanted to write an episode about stooky bill and then wanted a villain to create stooky bill and he said you know we have the toy maker we can bring the toy maker back but what if the toy maker did this and juggled what if he did this what if he did this what one human can juggle and dance and lip sync and do marionettes do all these things neil patrick harris and because switch accents on a yes, dime yes. On yeah, a dime. I, I, I swear to God, Neil Patrick Harris is a tour de force in this thing. He really he is. is an omnipotent joker. He is a very so the original toy maker was Michael Goh, who played Alfred in the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie. So uh, and of course, you know, he has died long ago. Uh there was some uh, very uh racially it, let's say racially insensitive elements about uh, the the toy makers costumes but that's why russell t davies wanted somebody who could switch between english and german and all the french and all these other accents because he wanted somebody to just 
play with the entirety of humanity as if humanity is a board game for him. Right. That he could try on all this stuff and he could do whatever he wants because he is an omnipotent Joker god. That he, He's Mr. Mixes Pitlick and the Joker rolled into one if you know who any of those characters are. If not, just realize that he is an omnipotent creature from a different dimension that can do whatever he wants and no one can stop him, not even the Doctor. Right. So Neil Patrick Harris... Oh my God, he is so immensely entertaining, so terrifying. The Stooky Babbies uh, attacking Donna. Donna's saying, no, we're not going to have a puppet attack. I'm just going to mangle y'all. And it, it goes into this gigantic game of all this. The, the uh, Neil Patrick Harris as the toy maker taunts the doctor with all of the companions he's lost since Donna, with all these failures, with all of the trauma the doctor has experienced throughout his lifetime, and how he has never stopped running since he was the first doctor. And just says, yeah, you are broken. You you are old. You need to sit down because you you all of these things, you are traumatized. And the doctor's like, well, I'm going to keep on going anyway. So uh, back in the 60s in the first uh, doctor's in the first toy maker appearance. The doctor won the toy maker's game and banished him in this one. Uh, the toy maker wins a game. And they say, you know what that means? Best two out of three, because that's the rules of games. So, But uh, I think this is good also to bring up the autistic special interest of games and gaming. We talked about it in the trivia episode. Like, um, we've talked about strategy games. Like, this is definitely, for me, a huge special interest. Oh, yes. Whenever my sisters wanted me to keep a secret, they would bribe me with games. Like, the number, I'll play you three games if you don't tell mom this. So I love the way the the special interest of gaming comes into this episode. And this comes into the whole, uh, because again, Unit is standing there. And uh, so so the whole plot about it is the toy maker puts a secret giggle in this transmission. And once the entire world is up to, uh, connected to the internet, the giggle makes everyone think that they're right. And everyone is at war with each other because only they are the correct person. Because again, this is the toy maker. So, so uh, when we get back to this, uh, the rules of the game, everybody at Unit says, you know, the toy maker will cheat and the toy maker is horrified by this because he adheres to the rules of the games because that is the only rule that he has he can turn people into bubbles he can uh, initiate a spice girls dance he could do whatever he wants but the game rules are absolute and he can never ever ever disobey the rules of the game so his and the big doctor thing is, knows this Yes, yes. And that's that's the only that's because, again, instead of trying to fight him, he knows that he has to play him because that's the only chance he has, because those are the only rules that the toy maker respects. Yep. So the, the toy maker says, all right, yeah, we get uh, best two out of three. Uh, the uh, you you bested me with one face. I bested you with another. I'm going to kill you and make a brand new one. So I'll play him. So he shoots the doctor with a giant laser. So uh, David Tennant starts to regenerate says his famous Alonzi and he's ready to go and you're like oh god here it goes yeah but he doesn't and he's like oh it's different this time and he gets his companions to yank on his arms and I thought it was just going to explode and shoot he got what was going to be there uh-huh. but he does by generation and now David Tennant and Shooty Gatwa can exist side by side thanks to the rules of the toy maker and 
So this is a big thing. So so they team up. They defeat the toy maker in a game of catch because the ball was a, a Chekhov's ball was all throughout the episode, and of course it came to a thing. But Russell T. Davis has explained that this is a. A, a big thing that he wrote even before he knew who Shooty Gatwa was going to play, even before he cast Shooty Gatwa, even before he cast David Tennant, he knew that this was going to be a thing for the specific purpose of having the Doctor multiverse because he wanted to be able to bring back prior Doctors and not have to de-age them using Marvel technology. Mm. Because now, using by generation... Every doctor in history now has the freedom to come back from their own timeline because on a splitter timeline, they bi-generated instead of regenerated, which means that the timeline went on as normal. But let's say that uh, you want the fourth doctor to come back. Uh, oh, God, what is the fourth doctor's name? Baker, uh, yes, Tom Baker, yeah, yes. So, if you want Tom Baker to come back, you don't have to digitally de age Tom Baker, he can just show up as an alternate universe by generated self. David Tennant can be there forever and play the 14th Doctor forever. Tom Baker can always be the fourth Doctor or the caretaker because he can be the caretaker now, which links into all that you know, the, the day of the Doctor stuff. So it opens up literally a whole new universe of opportunities here. So Shudi Gatwa explains that uh, David Tennant is the doctor that is burdened with the trauma and he needs to go heal because time Lords do rehab out of order. Mm. So the reason that Shudi Gatwa is able to be the 15th doctor unburdened with this stuff is because David Tennant is able to set aside time and heal for as long as he needs. So now we are in a brand new era. The Disney Plus era labels it as season one as opposed to season 65 because, <laughs> you know, or, or series of 15 or series 14 or you know, all the numbering stuff because, again, Disney says we, we want people to start off from the first. So now Shudi Gatwa is able to jump into the doctor's shoes as this character who has a legacy but is not currently burdened by it because david Tennant is healing from all he's this he's doing stuff. the rehab with exactly Donna noble where else would you yeah. want to do it <laughs> and he he finally has his family he finally slowed down he's uh, the the doctor has and lost so, so many companions i think there was so much there about like the need for repair and the need for yes. self-care that are like topics that we talk about here on the autistic culture podcast is like the yes. doctor was in deep burnout and deep, he's deep gonna burnout. spend a long time having family dinners with donna noble <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, because this this leaves the door open for Donna and for Rose. Uh, Wilf, sadly, is no longer with us, but I'm, I hope that they'll continue to have him off camera doing crazy things. I, and I see a reemergence for Matt Smith. Exactly. And, and all the doctors now have the freedom to come back without trying to de-age or explain why the doctor looks different than their previous appearances, because you know, now they, they can just be in their own timelines. And it's it's a beautiful, simplistic explanation. I, I swear to God, I may or may not, uh, I did bawl my eyes out at this because it was just, 
watching the doctor heal. Oh, oh, the part that got me was because, uh, so the doctors, plural, beat the toy maker at his game. So they he, he, they got a prize. Uh, David Tennant got, uh, no, no, Shooty Gotwell got the prize of locking the toy maker away until next time. Uh, there's a whole thing with the master. He transformed the master into a gold tooth. Uh, the, somebody got the gold we tooth. The master's going to be tooth. back. Yeah. But uh, so Shooty got was prize was to imprison the toy maker. But David Tennant also got a prize. And he was very sad that Shooty Gatwa was going to fly off in the TARDIS because he didn't want to leave the TARDIS. But Shooty Gatwa pulled a mallet out of nowhere, hit the TARDIS, and all of a sudden there's two TARDISes. Two. So... <laughs> So David Tennant got his TARDIS. Shooty got what got his TARDIS. It it couldn't happen under anything but toy maker logic because he got a prize. Anything he wanted, he wanted his TARDIS. He wanted his family. Oh my God! It was the perfect ending to the episode. Wait, the I, part that I made you it. cry is when he hits the TARDIS and makes a second. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. He got his TARDIS, and there's two TARDISes. One TARDIS has a jukebox for Shooty, and David's tenant's like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't need but he goes back to his TARDIS, and is like, yes, this is home. I love you, TARDIS. And you know, like, Shooty's like, gotta go. I'm going everywhere. And then David's like, ah, yes, I'm home. Okay, I have and, one question before we end the Minnesota, which is, why didn't he have pants on? Oh, oh, because they had to split the clothes because uh, David got uh, the undershirt. Shooty got the outer shirt. Shooty got the tie. David had no tie. David got the pants. Shooty got the underwear uh, and Shooty got the shoes. And David was barefoot. Oh, yeah. I missed that. I just was very distracted by how perfect his legs are. And that's the thing, because they the the, the Shooty Gatwa is ripped. Oh my god. He is cut. In the new episode, he's going to be wearing a kilt for the purpose of showing off because uh he is I'm good uh, with by that. all accounts a very hot sex symbol. And they're like, <laughs> hey, you know what sells? Sex. And so, I was sold. I was like, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I'm going to like him. And then I was like, but maybe if he doesn't wear pants ever, I'm in because yeah, I'm enjoying looking at his legs a lot. Yeah, because, you know, the skinny man got to wear full clothing. The The guy who's cut uh, runs around half naked. So, yeah, it the, the audience wins on that. I need to immediately go explain this to my husband because he did not give me a satisfactory explanation. I made us pause it like three times because I'm like, I need to understand why his pants aren't on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now and, I got and, it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they they split the clothing, which again, since, you know, he regenerated into new clothing. But again, that's probably a one-off, especially for plot purposes. But they it. split the clothing. They each got half the clothing. All right. I got to go. I got to go explain yeah. all of this right now. This is the way. <laughs> so you way. listeners can go off and explain it to your loved ones. And uh, if by the time you're hearing this, you've already seen the Christmas episode. Uh, it's about, the, it's a very labyrinth centered uh, thing about the Goblin King. And it's going to be fantastic. There's musical numbers. Uh, Christmas episodes always have this adventure and heart wrenching twist. I can't wait to see it. And by the time that uh, you hear this, they may already be airing the new season on Disney plus and the, 
BBC iPlayer. So true. Uh, we promise we, not um, to keep updating you every week on our love of Doctor Who. But if you share that love, we would love to hear about it. Um, I will take your quotes to Russell T. Davies' favorite coffee house in Cardiff as soon as I get to England. And I will bring him your messages because he's going to be my new best friend once I move yeah. there. He's brilliant. Please uh, kiss up to him for me and bring him to the podcast. Perfect. Working on it. Bye, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner, dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer for making us look and sound good. Thank you.